Hi guys, Candace here. So glad to get to spend a little bit of time with you today on The Good Day. Here, we'll focus on finding grace in our ordinary days. We'll learn good days don't just happen. And even more, a good life doesn't just happen. There's a choice involved. Join me as we learn how to develop the discipline and cultivate a heart that seeks strength, joy, and peace and finds rest in the good day, one day at a time. Today, my fellow OKC friend, Amy Elaine, is joining us. It is kind of funny, though, because we had to travel all the way to Tennessee um, to meet, but I'm so glad we did and so glad you're here. So just tell us a little bit about yourself, what a day in the life looks like, and who you like to spend it with. Oh, my goodness. Well, I am Amy Elaine Martinez, and I am a boy mom to two grown boys. They are 23 and 26, and I have a, a grandbaby, a baby girl, who is 15 months old, and her name is Raylan Rose Elaine. They named her after me, which was super sweet. I've been married to the love of my life, David, for almost 29 years, and we live in Arcadia just off of the famous Route 66. If you're familiar with uh, Oklahoma City, then there is a place called Pops that is a, a diner kind of hamburger joint that is on Route 66, and we are just three miles from there right off the road, and it is uh, just we're just living life. Life looks really different than what I thought it would. We live in a 600 square foot barn right now. It's very tiny, but it's a tiny barn and we are having a blast. We bought a house that needed a lot of remodeling and we haven't even started. <laughs> it's just a journey. You'll be on for a little while, but doing yes. it together. It's so much fun, though. We love it. So fun. I love that you love pecan pie. And then I also saw that you love one of my favorite things, fried okra. And so we're starting out with the most important questions, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Pressure's on. I'm curious. Do you like to eat your fried okra alone, or do you dip it in anything? Oh. Um, Mostly alone. Mostly alone, just fried yeah, Mostly alone, I'm going to have to say. If it's really, really good, I don't need anything to dip, dip it in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I don't, I, I don't think I dip it. I'm not a dipper. Not a dipper. <laughs> okay. Okay. I normally not unless there's like homemade ranch available, and then I will dip it in homemade ranch. Ooh, that sounds really good. Pretty good. But anything fried almost goes in ranch, and it's good. <laughs> but anyway, I love that you love fried okra. I love okra in all its forms. So. <laughs> it's one of my faves. Yeah. Okay. So your book is what we're really here to talk about today. And you've written just truly a tremendous book called Becoming a Victory Girl. And I believe that like all creativity is just something like stirring inside us, just dying to get out. So I'm curious, why did you write this book? Like what, what experiences led you to want to write this? Wow. You know what? I wrote this book originally as five different little blogs and people loved them. And when I looked at them to, it was kind of like a just little blog series. And I had just started blogging back in 2016 out uh, in, you know, publicly I'd written for years, but I started writing a blog and I 
looked at these five blogs and I was like, that's a book. So I took them down off the, the website and gathered them together and put them into a book. But where the blogs started from was just after a season of a really hard and difficult time with my sister. She had developed a, she got a tick bite and got a rare blood disease disorder. And it literally shut down every one of her organs at the same time. And we were at OU Medical for, I don't know, six weeks in ICU. Literally, we had people all over the world praying for her. And we had just come out of this season. She miraculously recovered. And we had just come out of this season. And I was flying back home. At this time, we lived in Colorado. So I had been flying back and forth and back and forth. And we flew, I flew back in and this was a lot of time spent alone uh, on planes, you know, going back and forth and in the hospital room and that kind of thing. And so I'm flying back home and I look out the, the window of the airplane and I see all these plots of land and they're marked out very, there's like lots of little squares and boundaries and they're not all the same size, but they all were very clearly marked. And the Lord just started to write on my heart, what would become these blogs? And he said to me, take the land. And I was like, well, what does that even mean, Lord? I don't even know what that means. But he began to speak to me just the principles of really stepping out into every bit of authority and every bit of the destiny that he had given to us as his daughters. And I write mostly to women, but as his daughters and sons and just his children, stepping out into all that he had given to us in every, to, to the extent of our, the boundary lines of going everywhere, walking out everything that he had for us and not backing down. And so as he began to write those things on my heart, they just spilled forth on the page and then ultimately became this book. Mm, I love that. And <laughs> I love to just um, how it grew out of the heartache. I think a lot of beauty comes from the painful things in our lives and how yes. God was with you and carried you through. And then now you're using this message to help others through theirs too. Another thing you talked about in the book is the art of the aim. And so I'm curious if you could share what that means with all of us. You know, the art of the aim came from a part of the blog that, that turned into this part of the book was I was watching a movie with my then 17-year-old uh, kid, boy, and we were watching a Disney movie, but it was all about this little princess who had to, she was really good at the arrow, the bow and arrow, and so in this movie, she ends up fighting for her own hand like so she wouldn't have to get married she didn't have to follow the protocol of the time and it was the movie brave and um this little princess just really spoke to my heart I just fell in love with her and she has red hair and everything and I was like oh my goodness I could actually have a little grandbaby with, with yes. red hair one day and now I do so that's very oh, fun <laughs> um the idea of the art of the aim was to learn how to pray not just from a place of despair or a place of chaos or of deep sorrow, but from a place of authority every day, being prepared to, because we've practiced praying, because we have uh, 
pulled the arrow back so many times and shot into the enemy's camp that we know how to pray when all hell does break loose, when the world is burning down around us and we know that prayer is not our last response, but our first choice, our first weapon. And we go to it not from a place of all I have left to do is pray, but I'm going to pray first because that is the most powerful thing that I have in my arsenal of weapons for my everyday spiritual warfare. And I think that what happens when we learn to pray in our everyday about the little things, we become so much more confident when the the big crisis does come, when the answer we weren't expecting comes crashing in, when the diagnosis comes, when the heartache comes, when the prodigal doesn't come home, you know, all of those things that cause us to, you know, fall on our knees and ask the Lord to show up in a, in a mighty way for us. If we're not practiced and ready, we will become overcome by the emotion and the hardship of that moment. But if we can learn to pray in the everyday, it will prepare us for when those big things come. And we will know that our prayers are like arrows shooting right into the enemy's camp. And I talk about um, the the bullseye. There's a scripture in, uh, I'm going to read it from the message, Psalm 25, 12, that says, what are God worshipers like? And God answers and says, arrows aimed at God's bullseye. And when we are worshiping, prayer is an act of worship. And when we are worshiping, we are hitting the target because we know that our hearts are aligned with him and that we are praying into his will and his way. And so whatever we're praying into is going to hit that mark when our hearts are aligned with him, when we are coming from a heart of worship, not from a name it and claim it type of place or, uh, you know, just I'm going to pray for this and I'll get it. No, but when our hearts are aligned with him and we know that we're praying his will, we can know we are, we're going to hit that target every time. And as we practice that, like that little princess did, she knew that when she pulled that up, a bow back that she was going to hit that pull aside. She was going to be victorious in that moment. And we can too. Yeah. Well, and I think one thing that stood out to me as you were talking is I was just reminded of some words that my pastor said once he said the least it's not prayer's not the least we could ever do. Sometimes we're like, well, the least I can do is pray for you. And the truly prayer is the most we can do. And so really learning to, like you said, to practice it in our everyday moments. So then we are prepared when those big moments come. And I know there's a lot of people listening, maybe in this wide spectrum of prayer, prayed in church or they listen to someone pray at church or maybe they pray before a meal or they pray when those cop sirens come on behind yeah. them. Oh, please give me a warning. I don't want to <laughs> There's a lot of times. I've done that. Pray. Yes. And at the very beginning, you're talking about territory and claiming your territory. And so can you kind of expand on us for those who we may not be as familiar, you know, what does it look like to stake, claim, and keep your territory through prayer? That is a great question. And we we not only do that through prayer, but through the actually the actual action, the stepping out of following up the prayer and actually getting out and 
doing something, being active. And prayer is very active. Prayer is very active. Don't get me wrong. But we have to, we can't stay in our prayer closet all the time. We can't just be praying all the time. We have to step out into the things that God has called us to do. And so when we talk about staking, that is like a physical stake of in the ground. If you think about going out and looking at your territory and we live on 10 acres and we've gone out to every corner and put, you know, to make sure, you know, this is ours. And when you put that stake in the ground and you drive it in with that hammer, you are breaking the ground. You are, you know, really placing a marker of this is my territory. So when we talk about staking, we're talking about looking at the boundaries walking it out, making a delineation between, you know, this is mine, this is my territory. And when I talk about territory, I really just mean your field of influence, your, your neighborhood, your place at work, your, um, if you're a stay-at-home mom, it's your uh, little moment of taking care of that baby, you know, all the needs, that's your territory for the time being. Our territory changes. It, it doesn't stay stagnant. It changes as we age, as we uh, change our, you know, jobs, as we change, um, as we uh, get married, as we maybe get divorced, you know, whatever our life looks like. And so staking your claim is really just walking it out and physically, that might be going out in a neighborhood and physically praying over that neighborhood and just saying, Lord, let me be of use to you in this neighborhood. And then claiming our territory is where we go a further step and we take ownership of it. So what does that mean? We were responsible. We're responsible for those things that are in our territory so that if we have a field of influence, we take that seriously and we pray for those people or we go out of our way to serve in that community. And that's the way that we claim it. We take ownership of it. We show in the heavenlies, if you will, this is mine. This is the area that God has given me to have influence over whatever kind of influence that is. I don't mean an influencer on social media. I mean an influence of wherever you go to church or wherever your workplace is or whatever your friend group is. Those are your fields of influence. And so we want to take ownership of those. And when you own something, you take good care of it. So that's what I mean by that. And then that third place of keeping the territory was something that we had to really, really learn. And when we keep our territory, we fought hard for the places that God has sent us. And we fought through the things to, to make that territory our own. And so when we have fought the enemy, when we have done all the things to get out and be in our field of influence, I think that it's like, we take a stand and then we stand our ground. Mm -hmm. And in that, I mean that we diligently and intentionally keep the enemy out by praying, by being active, by gathering our tribe around us to support us when the hard times do come. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. Just understanding what your sphere of influence is, claiming yeah accepting the ownership for it that this is what God's called me to shepherd and to yeah. watch over and care for and yeah. then stepping out with the boldness to fight for it you know? and, yeah. and it comes in the different circumstances too like you started out with your story about your sister and how that 
You know, like that was your territory. The sphere of influence right there was praying for your sister. I think that that's just really, really powerful. There's one part in your book that you talked about, so I'm going to read it so I get it right. But you said, there's bounty in every battle. And I really love that. I mean, it's simple, it's concise, but it's just, it's powerful. And it made me think that there's been many battles in my life. And prayer and praise have been my weapons. You know, that's how I've overcome. And I think the a distraction that the enemy uses again and again is worry. Yes. And I wouldn't naturally call myself a worrier. That's not really <laughs> my natural tendency, but that's what the enemy was using and would be thinking about something. And then the next moment, it's like I'm dwelling on it and it turns to worry. And mm-hmm. you now I had to really learn how to put this through prayer and praise, put it back in God's hands. And even like something very practical is just taking each of those worries as they came to mind and writing it on a sticky note. And then like even creating this, it sounds so silly to say, but like a God box, like I just got a shoe box and that was my God box in quotations, you know, and I would put those sticky notes, I'd pray about it and I'd put it back in the box. And then anytime I went to like start worrying about that thing again, just to like teach myself what I was doing. I went and picked it up out of the box and it is back in my hands versus being in God's hands. And so I'm curious, you know, as we're working through these battles in our lives, whether they're small or they're big, distraction of worry, what are some other maybe distractions or things that we need to be on guard of that the enemy might try to use to derail us? Oh, that's such a good question. And I think when it comes to, you know, the battling it out for the bounty, that there's so much at stake and there are so many things that can be a distraction. And one of the, the distractions that I'd like to say caught me off guard, but maybe not totally off guard because I was aware of it, but a distraction, the distraction of sin, the sin in our lives can be a well, it's always a distraction. I mean, it's always a big distraction. Sin is something that takes our eye off of the Lord, off of Jesus, off of the godly things in our lives. And what I found after writing this book, probably maybe even a year or two years after writing this book, I realized as I looked back over my life and over uh, some very key points in my life that the bounty that was on my battlefield had been a person. We never know what the bounty is on our battlefield. And because of the distraction of sin in my life, a repetitive sin, a habitual sin that had manifested in my life and I had it had taken root and I hadn't gotten rid of the root of this sin. So here I was way many years later and here was the sin again in my life. And I was like, I thought I dealt with that in my past. And so that's why I say it was, I should have been aware of it, but I wasn't. And the sin in our lives becomes a distraction because sometimes we're not even focusing on it being there. And we don't realize what our sin will cost us. And it is the bounty on the battlefield the good stuff that we're to collect and and take with us into the next battle might be lost if our if we are caught up in distraction other than sin i think that other distractions are offense getting offended so easily we get so offended the people are always our bounty um they're always 
the biggest, most important thing to the Lord. And so when we get offended, when we get distracted by sin, when we allow the world to distract us from what God's called us to do, we're ultimately and possibly risking the lives of people who don't know him yet or who do know him yet, but are looking to us to see what God looks like in everyday life because they're watching us. Well, and I think that goes back to what you were saying before, like our responsibility, you know, and it's not even the people that we realize that are in our influence, but there are people we don't see in our influence yeah. who are watching us, like you said, mm-hmm. and they're truly, our world is craving to see someone living out what they believe. You know? Authentic- authenticity, yeah. And something you said too that just really resonates with me, I've been thinking about, is like, what would it look like to be unoffendable? <laughs> Uh-huh. We live in that way that it's like, I can overlook this offense. That's, you know, I can per- prefer them in this, you know, that just to truly not take offense. Um, because right now our cultural, you know, our culture is so set on like canceling for every little thing, you know, you're rocking on eggshells. I think that Candace, when we, uh, if we can learn to be unoffendable, it doesn't mean that we're laying down the truth or stepping away from, you know, God's word or our beliefs, we're just allowing love to win the day, letting love to be the bomb that's going to open the door for another opportunity when the time is right to be able to mend that relationship. If we won't allow ourselves to be so full of ourselves to be offended by everything we will have so many more opportunities to go back and you know have another day to say what's on our mind or to present our case or to fight a wrong (laughs) and sometimes it's just our job in the moment to listen Yes, yes, absolutely. So much self-control and the humility of that. And you know, self-control is a fruit of the spirit. We have that accessible to us. It has been given to us. We should exercise that. Right, right. We don't always. That's the hardest one. It is, it is. But when you see it done, like even yesterday, I saw an example of it and it just stood out to me. I was like, oh my goodness, there was so much strength. And that self-control, you know, yeah. and gentleness towards the other person. Yeah. And um, it, it is inspiring. Like, they didn't know I was watching, but I was. And it just yeah. inspired me to want to do that. And that's the thing. People are always watching. Mm-hmm. They're always watching us, and we don't know that they're watching. Right. It's a lot. It's a higher standard. Oh. <laughs> Great to God, we're not alone. We can do it. But. Yes. Yes. Well, before we go, I do want to ask you, so I'm on a journey of just getting out of my comfort zone, trying new things. I've got a channel on YouTube that's called Let's Try That to hold me accountable. And so what is something new um, that you've tried recently, whether you failed or succeeded or something that you plan to do just for fun? Wow. What is something new that I have tried? Well, I'm going to say that I haven't tried it yet. However, I have been thinking about possibly, maybe, (laughs) getting back into podcasting. And it's something that I have really, like, I used to be on the radio. And 
radio is so different. Everything's done for you. I just showed up at the you know studio and everything was done. And I am not a techie person. And I just keep feeling this nudge to get back into it. I've been off the air for over a year now and I've taken the break. It was necessary. We moved, but also it was necessary just to step back for a bit. So that's the thing that is new. It's, it seems like it's not new, but it is really new because I'll be like responsible for all the things and all the parts of it, not just, you know, showing up and having somebody else do all the tech stuff. So other than that, I feel like I haven't been trying a lot of new things. Well, I think that's a that's a big one. Plus, live moving into a new barn, moving to a new place, like all of that. Yeah, that's a new thing. That's a different thing. Yeah, I'm gonna try living in 600 square feet, and um, we find scorpions and all kinds. And we had scorpions and snakes and spiders and all kinds of stuff. And I'm just like, okay, you're learning. You're doing better than I would. That's where I'm like, ah. It's fun. So fun. Well, everyone, let's choose to do more than just agree with Amy. Let's put this little mustard seed of faith that we've gained today into action. You know, Jesus wasn't just asking his disciples to merely agree with him. He was inviting them to participate with him. And so let's join in. Let's think of someone in our lives who is needing victory in one area or another. And let's share with them what we've learned today, how we can face these battles through prayer, praise and overcome. The book is called Becoming a Victory Girl. And Amy, thank you so, so much for being here today. So Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy. And I always like to talk about victory. Let's learn to prepare for the hard times by praying first in our everyday so we can be strengthened in the battle. May our joy grow as we lean not on our own understanding, but trust the one who has a bird's eye view to the battlefield. May peace be ours to hold as we remind ourselves of the God we serve, the one who has already won the victory. May we rest as we place our hope in Christ more each day. The good life, well, it starts with a good day, then another, then another. Let's choose to live the good day, one day at a time.